It's not what you say, it's how you say it, is the old adage. Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Thursday, March 23rd. Glad to have you back with us. It's not always what you say, it's how you say it. The combine is pretty much all wrapped up. Pro days, same. Quarterbacks are the talk of the town because the NFL draft is around the corner. And every single team is looking for a quarterback, right? But it always gets me thinking every year, there's always a team that reaches on a quarterback because we've got to have the guy. They always think that they're a quarterback away. Every franchise, every GM, every owner thinks we are one move away. We're one quarterback away. And I've been saying it for years and I'll say it again. No, you aren't. There are very few teams who have ever been a quarterback away from being a contender for a championship. The last one that really comes to mind, that Bucks team when Tom Brady came to town. That team was absolutely loaded. And all they did was knock off, you know, 25 turnovers. And weird, spoiler alert, you got a championship. But everybody thinks that they're a quarterback away and everybody thinks that they can get the next quarterback. We have the right scheme and talent and coaching staff and no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. But the reason why I really bring this up for it's not always what you say, it's how you say it is. If you were to say to somebody, you were the quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team. That sounds almost kind of insulting, doesn't it? That makes you sound like you're Trent Dilfer. If you say that you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback, it makes it sound like you're the reason why somebody won. You're like, you're the reason. Peyton Manning, except for in both Super Bowls, he wasn't great. And he was arguably the worst person on the field for his second Super Bowl, which has always kind of been my theory, is if you don't have the guy, which nobody does, if you don't have Tom Brady basically for the last 20 years, and if you don't have Patrick Mahomes now, you don't have the guy. So stop searching for him and build the best football team. Because that's what we've seen. We've seen teams be really good with dominant defenses, great running games, and don't turn the ball over. San Francisco, the Rams with Jerry Goff, uh, Blake Bortles when he was with the Jaguars a number of years, years ago when they played the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Like There are examples, the 2000 Ravens with Trent Dilfer, like, there are examples of Teams being good. Now, of course, you're going to say, well, that's the outlier, Prescott. And you're right. that Those are the outliers. But my overwhelming point is that when you look through the course of history, we are more laced often than not with quarterbacks who aren't really the reason why these teams win Super Bowls. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't win MVP because that's going to happen more often than not. With it being the most important position on the, on the field, that's going to be the way that, that that accolade usually works. But I was crunching some numbers, and I was just lounging around the house, just kind of f***ing around. I thought, you know what? I brought this up a couple times, but I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into this. So we've had 57 Super Bowls, and I'm going through the math. We've had 34 different quarterbacks win a Super Bowl. Not, not MVP, but 34 different starting quarterbacks win a Super Bowl. That is 59.6%. That is 60% of our Super Bowls are with different quarterbacks. I broke this all down because when you look through the course of history, we have 21 quarterbacks who have won one Super Bowl. That's 36%. Over a third of all Super Bowls have or Super Bowl champions are one-time Super Bowl champs. Over 33%. 
So we have 21 quarterbacks who have won. We have nine quarterbacks who've won two, one quarterback who's won three, two that have won four, and one that's won seven, Tom Brady. So the notion of you've got to have a quarterback to win a Super Bowl is ridiculous because what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through not every single one because that's going to take too long, and I frankly don't want to do it because I already did the homework on this. But when I go through the list of history of quarterbacks, there are some of these guys who are Hall of Famers who, when we really look back, probably aren't. But at the time, who did we have to really compare them against? You know, if you're going through the first 15 Super Bowls, you only got 15 years of that Super Bowl era to compare against. A lot of these guys now, if you were to go back and revisit it, probably aren't Hall of Famers, or there might be borderline guys. But when we look at this list, I'm not going to go through everybody, like I said, but if I were to scroll down and get to Terry Bradshaw has four Super Bowls, I think that we can all agree that when you look at his career numbers, he's probably not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but what do you have? One of the greatest defenses of all time in a great running game. Yep, that'll definitely help. Ken Stabler, another guy. Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett might actually supposedly be in the Hall of Fame. I know he's not, but he should be. But then you got Jim McMahon, Doug Williams, Jeff Hostetler, Mark Rippon, uh, Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, like Nick Foles. Those are all guys who have won Super Bowls. So, Again, when you really when you look at this in its entirety, Tom Brady alone has over 12% of all Super Bowl victories. He's got 7 of 57. So, do you need the guy or do you need to have the best football team unless you have the best quarterback? Which is which is my point. Cuz you've got either the GOAT with 12% and then 21 people with one Those two numbers combined is half. Half of the Super Bowls, either one quarterback has it or Tom Brady has it. That, that I don't, if I don't have any other stats to provide you, what else do you need for me to prove to you that you don't need the best quarterback in the league to win a Super Bowl? And I also gave you seven or eight guys who had no business winning Super Bowls at all, especially with that, with Manning. And we could even throw Eli in there if you really want to. Eli has two Super Bowls, but besides those runs, has zero playoff victories in all of his other seasons. It's it's absolutely ridiculous the luck that that guy ran into in two seasons. But what did he have? The great defense and the great run game. It's it's something that you can mask your deficiencies at quarterback as long as the turnovers just don't bite you in the ass. So every year... We look at the teams that reach on quarterbacks and who are they? They're usually terrible franchises. It's the Jets. They always reach on a quarterback every single year, it feels like. Cleveland's one of those teams too. Two of the worst run organizations over the past 20-ish years are those two, and they all have the same common denominator of reaching on quarterbacks because they think they can, we just got to get the quarterback right. Nope. You got so many other holes to fill. That's why I love what Chicago did. Chicago trading that pick. Now, it doesn't help that in the moment, it looks like they absolutely just robbed Carolina blind. But I had always been saying, I would I would have moved that pick anyways. I wouldn't have kept it. I, the one thing I did say, and I'll go on record because we have some new listeners because we had, I don't know what happened, but these numbers just shot up over the past 24, 48 hours. As I said, if I was really going to try to be like really be cute with it, I would have taken a quarterback number one overall and then actually had Justin Fields and either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud on my roster, because then 
you've taken all the guesswork out of it. Now that they, now the entire NFL knows that you have two quarterbacks and somebody would probably overpay for it. But Chicago did the best thing because I don't, I wasn't expecting anybody to pay what Carolina did for the number one spot. You know, it doesn't, at this point in time, it doesn't matter. You have so many holes to fill and they've done a good move and they did some good moves in the off season so far. So maybe they'll be able to, to bounce back and, and have something going forward in the next couple of years. Chicago finally seems to be like, they're not doing what, because they did that with Trubisky, right? They trade up because I, and again, I don't know why they traded for Trubisky. I'm, I won't go down that rabbit hole again. That's one of the biggest whiffs that I can remember, especially for a trade up. But this is the smart move for Chicago to move back because you've got a lot of places that you've got to fill up on your roster. And I had said at the beginning of last year's draft, because the common theme every year is whenever the season's done, we hear that there's only one guy who's really worthy of a first round draft pick, right? And then no games are played between the national championship game and the draft. There's some pro days in the combine, but we always see at least like four quarterbacks being taken. So last year, I figured the trend's going to continue. Someone's going to reach. We're going to get four quarterbacks again, even though we've been hearing for months now that there's nobody worthy of it. Now, that wasn't the case, and it seemed like teams were actually being smart and trying to build the best football teams. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. This year doesn't seem that way. It feels like we're going to go back to the trend of let's let's get it's a quarterback arm race again because this was supposedly the year with all the talent in it. But if you don't think that you're getting that's the other thing, too. Everybody thinks that they can make the next Patrick Mahomes. Everybody thinks that they can make the next Tom Brady. Those are the outliers. Those two people at the quarterback position are the outliers. Everybody else is pretty much interchangeable. You have certain guys who are better than others, obviously, with the Josh Allens, Lamar Jacksons, and the Joe Burrows, and Justin Herberts, and, and, and people of that nature. But once again, do they have any rings since they've been in the NFL? No. We're still young. Yeah. So, so last time I checked, Patrick Mahomes is in that same age bracket. He's not going anywhere. And I still feel that the Chiefs are the, are like the team to beat. And that's not just me saying it because they're the current champions. It's because I'm not going to bet against them until at least they're not in a, a conference championship again, because Mahomes is the dude. And until they don't have him, I don't see how you don't have them as at least the, 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 the the favorite to win the AFC. And again, it's not because of lack of, you know, talent in the AFC. It's just, they're not him. So instead of beating your head against the goddamn wall, trying to get the next Patrick Mahomes, why don't you figure out a way to potentially stop Patrick Mahomes, which I don't know if you can really do, but because everybody's so busy paying other quarterbacks to try to keep up with them, they're not trying to find ways to beat him. They're just trying, they're trying to out Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, and you're not going to do it. So it'll be interesting to see what people's draft analysis is going to be this year. If they are going to reach for quarterbacks, I know there's going to be a few teams that end up doing it because it's just duh. That's how franchises work. It's, it's such a common theme in the NFL, but I, I am interested to see who might actually trade back because they feel like they've got somebody and they're not willing to give up on him yet which I think that that's kind of where Chicago is basically. But the other thing I wanted to get to, I guess, before we wrap it up, I, this is a quick one. I didn't really have a whole lot to say. It was just, I was bored at the house and figured I would just, just do something. Um, this Lamar Jackson thing is, is really interesting. Mostly because we saw once the, the Ravens signed him to their, their franchise tag, or thought, Oh no, well, dolphins are out him now. 
The Panthers are out of him now. Ravens are not the Ravens, but the, the Falcons are out of him now. Everybody was like, whoa, they're everyone's pulling back. Well, they're gonna say that. That doesn't mean that they're completely out of him yet. It's just this is a song and dance. Nobody has to do a move right now, anyways. There's a chance that we could see him be dealt after the draft just to see who actually does shake up, who does draft a quarterback. I think that Atlanta is still a, a really interesting scenario. I think that's a really cool landing spot for him because they do use the run game and they've got backs that are actually healthy and they play in a really weak division. It's an indoor stadium. They've at least got Pitts and London Drake. Like they've got some dudes at least in a bad division. So Atlanta is a team that I could see them going after. The other one that I'm not entirely out on as far as a team that, that could be pursuing him is Miami. And I say that because the thing that we see is, you know, Tua got, they picked up his option, right? So like, oh, they're, they're committed to Tua. No, they're committed to Tua for one more year. And just because Lamar doesn't play there this year doesn't mean that he might not next year because Lamar is on a one-year deal. So even if he plays for the Ravens, he could still dip out next year. Or if Tua were to get hurt again, maybe they make the trade for him. Them picking up the option for Tua doesn't mean that they're committed to him long-term. It just means that they're committed to him this year. And if you had Lamar Jackson in Miami with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and all the speed that's over there, good luck. But just don't believe everything you hear as far as that teams are out on Lamar Jackson. Because I firmly believe that there are a lot of suitors still out there. It is all about this guaranteed money. Though We've said this before and I'll say it again. Him not having an agent has nothing to do with it. Because I know that Schefter reported he turned on $200 million. And Lamar is saying, oh, well, I didn't realize that 133 over three years was $200 million. Also, weird. If they offer me that, then why do I need an agent? And that was my point of he's getting offers. He doesn't need an agent for to... to get him $200 million. Nobody's giving him $200 million, not because he's Lamar Jackson, but because nobody wants to make the mistake that Cleveland did. And in a way, Cleveland might have actually just saved the quarterback market. Because if they did, if they didn't do this, we would still see it like exponentially creep up. But because they gave him a fully guaranteed deal at a quarter billion dollars, Daniel Jones still got 160, which is just absurd to me. But I'm not writing the check, so it doesn't hurt me any. It it just, you would have thought because of how the quarterback market works, it's always, well, this guy got paid this. I'm going to get paid one extra dollar more than this guy. I want to be the highest paid. And I think what we see is Cleveland may have kind of done us a favor of the guaranteed money and so much of it. Now, at some point in time, it's going to get there again with the salary caps going up. And I made this point a few episodes ago was, the salary caps keep going up by, look, it's about 10 million-ish or so. And what we're basically seeing is all that extra money that gets pumped in every year is just going to quarterback. So at some point in time, the scale of the economics of the quarterback is going to get to that quarter billion dollar guaranteed money anyways. It's, I think that they've just slowed the process down a bit. But Lamar's going to get paid. He may not get paid that $250 million. Uh, it might be close. It might still get closer to 200 I think that it's about length of contract and that along with the guarantee. Those are the two biggest things. I think I don't think three years for him. He wants to be able to secure it a little bit longer than that, but I also understand why Baltimore doesn't want to do it. And it's always this back and forth dance. And I, like I said, I see it from both sides. 
Some people say, how could you dog Lamar? He's an MVP candidate. You've seen what they've been without him. And then you see it from the other side of the business where you're like, well, you've gotten hurt. And then you go, yeah, well, you guys run him into the goddamn ground though. So it's just this, it's this awkward back and forth of both, both sides can be right. And both sides can be wrong at the exact same time. I just don't believe for one second that nobody is interested in Lamar. To me, it's all about when are we going to, I really do believe that once the draft is over, you'll see Lamar Jackson either sign a long-term deal with Baltimore or he'll be traded. One of the two things before this season starts, and that's why I said last year too, I thought that he would get a long-term deal because everything that was being reported to us was he wanted to be there and they wanted him. And after a full season of this back and forth, we can see that maybe it wasn't quite as mutual as we thought it was because it's not like Deshaun's money has changed. Like not, not since that trade happened, you know, that trade happened, the contract happened. So everything of this back and forth and the disconnect between Baltimore and Jackson, like that's, that's, there's nothing new there. There's no new information, but seeing the saga play out for a full year, you go, okay, well, Maybe there's more animosity than we originally thought. So I do believe that one of the two things before the start of the season, I think it'll be long-term with Baltimore or he'll be traded and sign a long-term deal with somebody else. And I'm hoping it's Atlanta, not necessarily because I think it makes them like a Super Bowl contender. I just think it'd be really fun to watch him in that offense. And that team does need a quarterback. And I think it'd be more fun to watch him in Miami just from, the actual player personnel standpoint. I don't want to see him as a Bills fan. I don't want to see him two times a year, sometimes three for you know the next seven or eight years or so. I don't want to do that. But I think he'd be more fun to watch there. But I do think that as far as what a where the need is concerned and where he can be the best version of himself and turn a franchise around and make a playoff run because that division's so bad, at least host a playoff game. Atlanta would be a cool place. And you know, you, you kind of get that that resurgence of, of the Michael Vick kind of feel back from the early 2000s. It would just feel like that kind of juice, that kind of energy would come back into that that portion of the country, that stadium. So it's just something to look out for. All right, you guys know the drill. Make sure to tell at least one of your friends at your homework for the day to tell them to listen to the podcast. They can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, you've been chopping with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. You guys stay up, stay blessed, and we'll catch you on the next one.